So as we said to the kids, Advent is a four-week season of waiting. How many of you enjoy waiting? <laughs> Elizabeth enjoys waiting. You're the only one. I can't help it. You can't help it. You enjoy waiting. Anticipation. How many of you enjoy anticipating something? That's easier, isn't it? A hopeful, anticipatory kind of waiting. That's the kind of thing that we can embrace. Prayerful waiting, a waiting that is full of expectation. That's what the season of Advent is about. In the Christian liturgical calendar, the calendar that we follow in our worship cycles, Advent is actually the first day of a brand new year. So happy new year! We begin with Advent, and then we celebrate Christmas, and then we move on to the Epiphany season, followed by, anybody know, here's a quiz, Epiphany, and then Lent, and then, and then, you got it, and then back around the cycle again. So today we begin a new year in the liturgical calendar. As I shared with the kids, the word Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means coming. And something is coming. I was wondering if any of the kids were going to say Santa is coming. Uh, Christmas is coming, but more importantly, Christ is coming. The tree is up in Monument Square. Did anybody go to the tree lighting on Friday night? Becky Silpin did. She was very excited about it this morning. The lights are twinkling in the storefront windows. Our worship space is decorated for the season. Christmas is coming. Christ is coming. And Advent invites us to prepare our hearts for Christ to be born all over again and prepare our hearts for the promise of God's promise to make all things new. So some of you may have seen this on Thursday, but on, um, on, on Thursday, after we'd eaten delicious Thanksgiving dinner, and after our, uh, or before our daughter Gloria, who's home from college, had to, uh, to, to leave to catch a 6 o'clock bus back to Boston to work uh, a, a Black Friday shift at Target, a shift that started at midnight, and before we had finished cleaning up our kitchen, we decided that we would... Uh, decorate our Christmas tree. It's kind of become a tradition in our family to put up the Christmas tree on uh, Thanksgiving to kind of start off the season. And because we have allergies, we have an artificial tree. So it's just kind of in the basement. It's easy enough to bring it up. And last year, we actually bought one of those, you know, new trees that is already pre-lit. It comes with the lights already on it, so you don't have to wrestle the lights and everything. So we, we, uh, we decided we put it up. We cleared the spot in our living room for it, and we went down in the basement and we found it in its, in its uh, spot in the basement storage room and we heaved and we hauled and we pulled it upstairs and we took it out of its box in its three pieces. First the stand and then, you know, the, the largest piece has the long branches and this is a pretty cool tree. It, the, the, the branches are on hinges, unlike our previous tree where you had to find the right hole for you. They're on hinges so you just open it up and it just falls right into place with the lights already on it. Isn't that cool? <laughs> and then the second section, and it all falls into place. And then the third section on the top and spread the branches out. And then we plugged it in and this is what we saw. <laughs> <laughs> Only the bottom third. So we spent about an, a frustrating hour trying to sort of play around with the connections to see what might not be connecting quite right, and, you know, going through the lights and making sure there weren't bulbs that were loose or broken or anything. 
We even consulted the little, you know, troubleshooting guide that was in the box. We miraculously hadn't lost it yet. And we're like trying all the things that they suggest. Sarah even called the 1-800 hotline. <laughs> and somebody answered the phone on Thanksgiving Day. And promised to call us back within one to two business days with an answer to our question. We're still waiting for a call. So after a frustrating hour of trying to get our Christmas tree to light, not just the bottom third, but the whole thing, um, finally we shared the disappointing news with the kids that we were not going to be able to decorate the tree on Thanksgiving evening after all. But somehow, somehow this advent, this Christmas tree debacle seemed appropriate. <laughs> because if ever there were an advent, when it seemed like something is broken. If ever there were an advent when it seemed like only one-third of the tree is in working order, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. If ever there were an advent when it seemed like all the lights were not firing. If ever there were an advent when we really need light. When we really need hope when we really need encouragement, when we really need Jesus, this is the Advent. Is anybody else feeling that way? Does anybody else feel as we begin this Advent season that there's a certain kind of heaviness about the world in which we live? That there's a lot of kind of unfinished business, a lot of big questions, a lot of things that seem unresolved. In fact, a lot of deep conflict in the world in which we live. Perhaps even a great scarcity of hopefulness as we begin this season. A couple of weeks ago, Don Rudolevich uh, shared an, uh, a helpful um, kind of distinction for me. He said, and I'll, you correct me if I get this not quite right. He said, it's not that we are feeling hopeless. It's that we have a lack of hopefulness. Close? Oh. What did it say? It's not Unhopeful. Unhopeful. So there's a distinction there. It's not that we are hopeless, it's that we have a lack of hopefulness or unhopefulness. And I think that's an important distinction. So that's why our theme for this Advent season is hope is on the way. Because with God, we trust, we claim the promise that hope is always on the way. In this Advent season, we need hope. And we need to claim the truth that hope is on the way. We need hope. We need Jesus. And we need the prophets as well. The prophets of the Hebrew Bible, those messengers who, of God who dreamed God's dreams, who saw beyond their current challenging circumstances, who imagined a time of God's reign, who spoke truth to power, who cast a vision for a better way and invited God's people to claim their place in it. And their words still inspire us today. So long ago, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah imagined that things could be different. He looked around and he saw the challenging current circumstances of his world and he imagined that with God, things could be different. He dreamed God's dream. 
Filled with the hope for a reality that had not yet come, he offered words of promise that we often read during the Advent season. This morning I'm going to read a few words from the second chapter of Isaiah, right in the very beginning of the prophet's words. This is what Isaiah, Amos' son, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills. People will stream to it. Many nations will go and say, come, let us go to the Lord's mountain, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in God's path. Instruction from, will come from Zion, the Lord's word from Jerusalem. Isaiah imagines that people are flocking to the city of Jerusalem. Now in reality, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is not the highest mountain. It's actually kind of a small hill surrounded by lots of other mountains. But in Isaiah's imagination of a future yet, yet to be, it will be the highest of all the mountains, a place where heaven and earth intersect, the meeting place of God and all humanity. Isaiah imagines people like streams of water just streaming to God's mountain. Can you picture this? People coming from the east and the west and the north and the south at this meeting place where heaven and earth intersect. Not tourists on a sightseeing mission, but spiritual pilgrims coming to a holy place where they will encounter God and learn God's ways and be transformed. But Isaiah's vision doesn't stop there. It continues on with this incredible vision of peace and justice, words that are probably familiar to you when he continues. God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. They will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. Come, house of Jacob, let us walk by the light of the Lord. Beautiful words of hope and peace and justice in the midst of challenging times. So in Isaiah's vision, Jerusalem destroyed and despairing, will become a center of spiritual pilgrimage, a place where refugees find safety, a place where strangers find a home, a place where laughter and joy fill the streets, a place of healing, justice, and shalom, a place where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. When you look around at the world today, what do you see? What do you see that is in need of fixing? Addiction. Addiction, right? Violence. Violence. Fear. Racism. Racism. What's that? Poverty. Government. A government in trouble. The environment. Climate catastrophe. I want to invite you, in your seat, you probably had a star. Hmm. I don't know. See if you can find the star that was in your seat. 
Maybe you're sitting on it. Maybe it's on the floor under your feet. And if you don't have a star, we have some extras. There also are some cups of pens that are kind of scattered about. Anybody need a star? Couldn't find one of the pencils back. <laughs> on one side of your star, I want to invite you to think about a place of brokenness. Maybe it's a place of brokenness in your own life, or maybe it's a place of brokenness in the world. Just take a minute and think about a place of brokenness, and then on the star write a word or a phrase or a four-point essay <laughs> about a place of brokenness that you observe in your own life or in the world. I invite you to do that. A word or phrase that reminds you of a place of brokenness in your own life or in the world. And then when you've done that on the other side of the star, I want to invite you to again write a word or phrase that in some way reflects your hope or your prayer during this Advent season. Maybe thinking about that place of brokenness in the world or in your own life. What is your hope or your prayer during this Advent season? Just write a word or phrase on the other side of your star to reflect your hope or your prayer. Over on this side of the room, we have the beginning of a banner, a beautiful Advent banner that Laura Hamilton, with a little help from Catherine, uh, put together yesterday. Long streams of blue and gold fabric and ribbon. And we're going to assemble this as our Advent prayer banner. And so as you come forward to receive communion today or during a song, we're going to invite you, I know it's a little crowded, but to make your way over to that side of the room and just with the staplers that are there, staple your star onto that fabric as we offer to God the places of brokenness in the world and our prayers during this Advent season. What are some of the things that you wrote on your star? Let's just take a few moments to share a little bit. What are some of the places of brokenness that you identify? Refugees. Refugees, yeah. Standing Rock. Standing Rock. Mm -hmm. Syria. Syria. Presidency. Presidency. Other places of brokenness? Our environment. Our environment. Community, fear of change. fractured nation and world. All of these places of brokenness we want to offer up to God in prayer. And what are some of your Advent hopes, your Advent prayers that you identify on the other side? Wisdom. Wisdom. Welcome the stranger. Welcome the stranger. Unity. Unity. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I missed that one. Connection. Connection. 
So we will offer up also not only the places of brokenness, but our hopes and our prayers during this Advent season. I invite you to um, add those to the banner before you go today. For today, the prophet Isaiah and the season of Advent remind us that surrounded by brokenness and pain and suffering, we don't have to be satisfied with the status quo, do we? In fact, we, as people of faith, we shouldn't be satisfied with the status of quo. We don't have to accept hatred and violence in our world. We don't have to accept racism, misogyny, Islamophobia, homophobia, or any kind of bigotry in our world. As people of faith, we don't have to accept xenophobia, fear of the stranger, the newcomer in our midst. We don't have to accept language that dehumanizes people whom God loves. We don't have to accept anyone's demand that we refuse to accept refugees. We don't have to accept that. We don't have to accept swastikas spray-painted on storefront windows or church walls. We don't have to accept violence against Native Americans and those who are standing with them who are trying to protect, protect sacred lands and sacred waters. We don't have to accept corporate greed, profit at any cost, labor injustices, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. We don't have to accept destruction of our planet. As people of faith, we are called to stand in the truth that hope is on the way and to be a part of God's ushering in of a new way. The prophet Isaiah and the season of Advent invite us to challenge every injustice, every incident of violence, every act of bigotry, to be every sword into plowshares. That is, every instrument of war and violence transformed into an instrument that tills the soil, that makes it ready for the promise of new seed, in the name of the Christ whose birth we are preparing to celebrate. So I have a few suggestions for you for a meaningful Advent season. First, I want to invite you to reflect on that number. Somebody say that. 655.8 billion. Everybody say that. 655.8 billion dollars. It's important to know what we're measuring here. That is dollars. Anyone want to take a guess what that represents? Black Friday sales? Not quite Black Friday sales, but that you're on the right track. Christmas buying. Christmas buying. This is the National Retail Federation's prediction for U.S. retail sales this holiday season. I'd like to find out what, what the actual Black Friday sales were. It probably was a pretty good chunk. Not the whole thing by any means, but a pretty good chunk. Now, this is not just buying gifts. This is all holiday associated expenses, including like parties and food and gifts and all the rest. That's a pretty big number, isn't it? In fact, that number is so big that we don't really have a good way to quantify it or wrap our heads around the size of it. We just don't. I don't think anyone has that much in our bank accounts. Raise your hand if you do. I want to see your stewardship cards. <laughs> so here's another number to put it in perspective. $30 billion. Anyone want to guess what that is? No, the defense department budget is big. 
I think the Defense Department budget is more like 200 million. Something like that. No, I don't know. This is the United Nations estimate of the cost of ending <coughs> world hunger this year. So just for a minute, take those two numbers and wrap your head around the juxtaposition there. Now, I will admit that 30 billion number was the only one I could find, and it was the 2013 number. So maybe it would cost more in 2016 and world hunger, but even if it was 60 billion dollars, right? Even if it doubled, still wrap your head around that. Something's not quite right about that, right? Something's not quite right about that. So, one of the ways that we celebrate Christmas at Hope Gateway is by participating in a nationwide movement called the Advent Conspiracy. This is something we've done for several years. There are four components of Advent Conspiracy. And the intention is to flip your Christmas upside down. Worship fully, that is to really remember the reason for the season, which is about honoring the birth of Christ. It's a, it's a deep expression of our faith. So worship fully. Spend less on gifts that you're buying for people who probably don't need them or want them, right? And let's be honest. Give more of yourself in ways that really honor the one whose birthday we're celebrating. And love all. To really make the season about a season of love. Each year, we designate one cause, or sometimes two causes, usually a local cause and a global cause, to be the recipients of a special Advent conspiracy offering that we receive. And we invite you to make a meaningful gift, a stretching gift, because it's not your birthday, to celebrate the birthday of the one whom we honor in this season. So this year, our Hope Gateway leadership team spent some time thinking about it and decided that we would designate 100% of our Advent Conspiracy offering to the Greater Portland Family Promise, which is this newly emerging um, ministry, interfaith ministry, to care for children and families experiencing homelessness. So we want to invite you to stretch a little bit and make a meaningful gift between now and the end of January, you have some time, to honor the birth of Christ in a way that really makes a difference in the lives of people who are really struggling. 100% of your Advent Conspiracy gift that you put in the Advent Conspiracy offering envelope or that you give online through our website designated Advent Conspiracy, and 100% of our Christmas Eve offering will go directly to the Greater Portland Family Promise to make sure that in this city that we don't have to accept family homelessness. Sarah, how many children were in the city of Portland homeless the last round of statistics that you heard? 186 in April. In the public school system, so that doesn't count any child that's under school age. 186 school-aged children in the Portland public school system who have no home and no bed. Is this okay? It's not okay. <laughs> we can do something about this, working with our Jewish and Muslim and Hindu and Christian brothers and sisters and people of goodwill, of all traditions and no tradition at all. We can do something to make a difference.
And so that's what we're going to invite you to do, to, to, to think about and pray about what a meaningful gift for you might be. For some people, that means trying to match dollar for dollar what you spend on gifts for family and friends to give that same amount to the Advent Conspiracy offering. That might be a meaningful gift for you. Or whatever is a meaningful gift for you. To stretch a little bit so that we can make a difference in the community. That's one uh, suggestion for a meaningful Advent. For families in our congregation, we have these packets called an Illustrated Advent for Families, and they're over there on the table next to Shirley. And inside this packet, there are Advent devotions for each week of the season. There are some coloring pages. Grown-ups, I know you'll be jealous. And if you can probably take one, too. We won't, we won't, we won't uh, take it away from the Or you can just get colored. There's even a, a build-your-own-nativity set, you know, with angels and Mary and Joseph and shepherds that you can color and cut out to put together. And then there's an Advent calendar with some activities for each, of, each day between now and Christmas, starting today. Write a letter to Jesus, or have, a, have younger children draw a picture to thank Jesus for all the gifts we have received this year. Make a bird feeder, show love for our feathered friends, have a hot cocoa night, shop for a gift to donate, and on and on. Wonderful activities in there. These are for um, children with families. So if you families with children. Or families with children. <laughs> <laughs> or if you know someone that you want to take one to, you're invited to do that. Also, we have a different kind of advent calendar over on that table. This was put together by Bethany Fior. Some of you know her mom, Meg Quior, who's a pastor in our conference, and recently served at the uh, United Methodist Church of Cumberland. Bethany is a lay person living in the Boston area, and she put together this advent calendar called Random Acts of Disrupting White Supremacy. <laughs> it's not meant to be funny. It's actually really a powerful, powerful set of activities, one for each day starting today and going all the way up to Christmas. And it has everything from... Um, researching the guiding principles of the Black Lives Matter movement. Look up your state and federal legislators, write down their names and phone numbers, put that list somewhere accessible. Um, if you plan to give Christmas gifts, research local small businesses run by people of color and support them with your business. Consider how your workplace structure might limit the voice or power of people of color. How can your privilege best combat this? Find one action or reflection that you skipped and do it now. If you have managed to do them all, repeat one. So I encourage you to pick one of these up if that speaks to you. There's a, they're over there on the table as well. And if we run out of copies, we can make more. On the back, there's some notes about how best to use it. And I would encourage you, if you're, if you're using the Advent calendar, uh, random acts of disrupting white supremacy, that you actually find a partner. Find an accountability partner or a small group of people that you can talk about um, what you're doing and the struggles that you encounter along the way. So I commend that to you um, from Bethany Quior. That's another suggestion for uh, a meaningful Advent. Also, this season, starting this week, we're offering two Advent small groups, both using the same resource called Prepare the Way, Cultivating a Heart for God in Advent. It's a resource put together by Pamela Hawkins. There's a, Thursday, a Wednesday night group at 7 o'clock at the Parsonage where Sarah and I live, that Sarah and I will be leading. And there's a Thursday evening group that meets here in one of the rooms in the back, co-led by Jeff, our intern, and Mayor Jane O'Connor-Roth. Uh, either group, both using the same resources, four sessions, 
And over four weeks, we're going to be exploring the way of peace, the way of justice, the way of fearlessness, and the way of faithfulness. We'd love to have you take part in one of these Advent studies. That's another suggestion for a meaningful Advent. Let me tell you about one thing that I'm, that one thing that I'm doing as we begin this season of Advent. <coughs> and that is that I am transitioning out of my role as Executive Director of HOPEX. For some of you, this is new news. Some of you have known about this for a while. And I just wanted to share a little bit about this and sort of um, my journey. As many of you know, uh, a founding board and I founded Hope X um, really starting back in 2011. And some of you in this room were part of that early journey. Thinking about some of the needs that we were encountering here in Portland, even within our own congregation. And those needs were addiction and recovery, and immigrant support. And so from the very beginning, I've been serving as executive director of that organization on a quarter time basis, three quarter time with Hope Gateway and one quarter time with Hope Acts. And I have been incredibly, incredibly thankful for that part of my ministry. I'm proud of the work that we've done, that we are doing, nurturing a community of hospitality, hope, and healing within the immigrant and recovery communities. Over the summer months, I spent a little time sort of stepping back and really thinking about my life and where I spend my time and my energy and my creativity, kind of what I want the next few years of my life to look like. This is something we should all do now and then, right? And um, what I discovered, what I, what I discerned was that it felt like the right time to set that piece of my ministry down. Uh, time for Hope Acts also to kind of live into a new phase of its life with new leadership. When we started Hope Acts, there was no Hope House. There wasn't even the idea of, an, of a Hope House, a little tiny, a little tiny kernel. And Hope Acts has grown into something pretty big at this point, um, with all of our recovery programs, more than 300 people a week who walk through our doors and find support and accountability for their journey of recovery. Um, we've helped something like 35 or 40 residents at Hope House with transitional housing. <coughs> 75 students a week learning English in the common space at Hope House, and lots of other things. And so in August, I shared the news with the board that I was feeling moved to sort of transition out of that role. And I'm really grateful and proud of the Hope Acts board, some of whom are also in the room today, for their support and encouragement and for the way they've really dug in uh, to work through this season of transition. Um, I'm looking forward to remaining connected with the work of Hope Acts in a different capacity, serving as an ambassador for the organization. I'm also really looking forward to refocusing my time, my energy, and creativity on the work of this faith community, Hope Gateway. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next from all of that. Um, for me, I'm kind of experiencing this as, the, as a spiritual practice of letting go. Anyone ever done that? The spiritual practice of letting go. Even letting go of something that you really value and appreciate and find meaningful. I would commend that spiritual practice to you. And for Advent, I think it's a great practice to practice letting go of something. So that's, my, uh, that's one of my Advent practices this year. Maybe when you look at your life and you step back 
and you do a little audit of how you spend your time and your creativity and your energy, maybe you also will find something that it feels right to let go of. I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe when you look at your life, you see that there are places where not all the lights are working. You're like, only the bottom third of the tree is lit up. What are those places for you? I want to encourage you to, to ask that question, to set something down so that you can refocus. So I'm happy to report that our Christmas tree story has a happy ending. <laughs> After exploring several options, one of which was to rip out all of those lights that were hardwired into that tree, we finally came up with a solution. It wasn't waiting for the 1-800 hotline to call back either. Sarah called the store where we originally bought that tree a year ago. And even though their return policy is 90 days, they agreed that you don't really use a Christmas tree for 90 days. You use it for like 30 and then you put it back in the box. And they agreed that if we brought the tree back, they would give us full store credit for it. So we ended up buying a new tree for $70 less than the one we bought last year. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if it were that easy to restore light to the world in every place of struggle or malfunction or brokenness or pain or injustice. But here's the thing. Advent doesn't actually claim that everything is right with the world. Advent doesn't claim that everything's right. In fact, Christmas doesn't either. There was great pain and suffering when the prophet Isaiah wrote those words so long ago. Imagine people flocking to the city of Jerusalem and turning their plowshare, their swords into plowshares. There was great pain and suffering in the world of the Roman Empire into which Jesus was born. It was into that very mess of life that Jesus came. Advent invites us to pause and be still, precisely because there is so much that is not right with the world. Advent invites us to claim a hope that is deeper than all the wrongs that we see around us, and to lean into that hope. Advent invites us to set some things down, to refocus, to pick some new things up, so that we might be instruments of God's hope and healing and justice and compassion and shalom. Advent invites us to dream God's dream. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this season full of hope. Not hope because everything is right with the world but hope because there is so much that is wrong. And because with you, the future is still open. There still are possibilities. So instill in us a deep sense that hope is on the way. And help us in these four weeks of Advent to lean into that hope, to claim that hope for ourselves, to dream your dream.
pray in Jesus' name.